Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Here's the guy who asks all the right questions. Your host, Ralph DeLugas. Welcome to our show, everybody. This week, you are on the Loving Liberty Network. My name is Ralph DeLugas, and this is Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. And I would add, it's much better than fiction. Um, Got another exciting docket planned for you today. Um, As usual, I want to kind try and hit some of the news articles that I kind of look out over the news, especially as it pertains to my passion, which is kind of science, physics, light, matter, energy, such things as that. I'm a Tesla fan and really all it all kind of ties together in my opinion. Um, health, uh, chemistry, alchemy, all these things are all interrelated, all science. Um, so yeah, I kind of uh, scan out over the horizon. Um, a few of these really leapt out at me. Uh, one of them, uh, this is from Texas A&M, Mars once had salt lakes similar to Earth. Um, I think most, if not all planets had life on it. And I think we will be very surprised to learn, uh, what planets still have life on that, that we in our great intellect and wisdom have discounted long ago. Um, I'm going to say this, I think real quick, cause I don't know that I wrote it down, but I've, I've, I love Tesla. I love all the greats to be honest with you. When I actually sit down to study history or not history, um, study science, um, I have, and this is honestly just in the last few years, I have started to just completely toss anything that's been written in the last hundred years because pretty much anything that came from them is a product from, from 1919 on is a product of uh, Rockefellers and, and uh, the radio company of America, that whole cabal uh, taking charge of all energetic propagation in America, pretty much all science, NSF, National Science Foundation, anything that comes from that era, I'm real suspicious of. So I like to go back into old books. Tesla, I like a little bit. Um, He's so popular that his writings have all been, you know, because I don't have access to the uh, CIA safe where all of his uh, writings unchanged are kept. And all we get are just little pieces, heavily redacted. Um, But this one, I trust the source. And and this is actually, you know what, I might talk about this. You know, I'm going to say this one little blurb and we're going to maybe devote a segment to it because I think this is worth a segment. But Tesla's gravity um, theory. And this was kept throughout his life. And he only talked about it in the closing twilight of his life. And to me, what a man talks about when he's facing his mortality is extra weighty, especially with a man like Tesla, who had so much fruit. Um, his theory on gravity, kind of hard to explain, uh, but it's etheric. Everything is ether uh, in Tesla, physics and science. Everything is ether, period. But um, to Tesla, everything was etheric. And gravity, uh, his, oh, how do I explain it simply? It's electromagnetic. It was energetic and Gravity in a force by itself didn't exist. And the interesting thing, and my point in this with Tesla, is that one of the main reasons why his theory on gravity is never – it's one of the most heavily guarded and uh, 
discounted and you just can't find a good there is not a good copy of his uh, paper on gravity anywhere except for of course in the national science foundation cia safes um but the interesting uh conclusion of tesla's gravity theory is that all planets and all stars are hollow um they have to be hollow for his model to work. And I've seen enough evidence out there that I can't say if, if I look at one side of the equation, the mainstream, and Tesla and his theory, I'll take Tesla any day of the week. Um, and we've had other shows on hollow Earth as well. And I, I think to me, it's really interesting stuff. But anyway, uh, Mars uh, once had life on it and may still have life on it, in my humble opinion. Interesting article. Um, this other article I wanted to talk about. This is from USC. Um, Catastrophic events carry forests of trees thousands of miles to a burial at sea. Uh, That's the title. Uh, A couple lines from it. Uh, Geology researchers at USC find for the first time, actually this isn't for the first time, this is probably for the 10,000th time, but anyway, going on, uh, evidence that that fresh wood can move from its home far inland to settle deep in the ocean, a discovery that appears to add to current models of Earth's carbon cycle. Earth's carbon cycle, isn't that funny? I'm not sure what plant food has to do with that, but um, you can throw that last part out. What this is, is evidence of is a cyclical catastrophe. The Earth's shield is weakening. Uh, this is a fact. There will be a very predictable uh, um, symptoms, very, very, very predictable catastrophes that will result from this. Cosmic rays are already increasing. They are at the highest record we've ever recorded and going higher all the time. Cosmic rays absolutely, positively, without any doubt, cause more powerful storms, higher, uh, higher winds, uh, greater hell and cloud nucleation, which will cause global cooling. I'm sure they'll be blaming that on you and I for driving our SUVs, which is dribble. Um, but this absolutely will cause massive global cooling, and the Earth's crust will shift. It's already starting to. It will shift a lot more. This is no surprise to anyone that's been reading their Bibles, that's been keeping their, uh, starting their days on their on, on a knee, asking the Lord what they should be doing. This is no surprise to, I'm sure, almost anyone listening today. But it's always kind of good to get a little uh, scientific, quote-unquote, evidence of this. Um, this story... Um, Let me try and get my heart rate down. This story makes me very upset. I've seen this on a few different sources. Vaccine hesitancy. That would be those of us that think maybe the government might not be right with all of these vaccines in our children and in the grownups. Vaccine hesitancy and the new global surveillance system. Um, Yeah, reading from this article, this is an article basically of how they plan the federal government plans to uh, keep all of you safe from those crazy people out there that don't think their newborn baby should have, you know, 10 gallons of 60 different vaccines pumped into them the day after they're born and throughout their lives. Um, Some of you that might be a little skeptical of this and a little hesitant to uh, take every vaccine they shove your way, like the flu shots. And I hear even an Ebola and a cancer vaccines coming. Man, I can't even imagine taking the Ebola vaccine. What would possess you? Anyway, um, let me read a couple lines from this uh, article. <clears throat> this is There's five or six things, all of which raise my blood level. Um, I'm only going to try to tackle this one because I think this is especially disgusting. Uh, the biometric passport in America. Last year, the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, announced they will build a 
Homeland Advanced Recognition Technology System, or HART. It's a nice name, huh? That will work in conjunction with the government IDs. The massive artificial intelligence database will use a plethora of biometric and relationship data points to positively identify people, including their DNA, palm prints, scars, physical markings, and tattoos. It will also track their geological, uh, their geo, geological location, basically where they are, and monitor behavior for predictive analytics. Um, this goes on to say that you will uh, have to be current on your vaccines to be eligible for this new passport. So in other words, the way they'll, or at least this, this is proposed, this isn't in place yet, but man, was there anything I read there that didn't like just make you cringe? Um, and now they want to make us get our vaccines so we can travel safely, right? So we can travel to other countries because they're not nearly as safe as our vaccinated people. I'm not sure where, where are all the autistic children in Russia and other countries that don't have all these quite as many vaccines? I'm not sure where they are, but I'm sure I'm sure they just don't diagnose that properly, right? Um, yeah, this is creepy from front to back, top to bottom. Um, vaccines by force. Uh, you know, I, I won't go into too much about vaccines, but for the government to basically force force you to take this needle and take this vaccine into your body, and and to say that is constitutional. Wow. Anyway. Um, uh, another one that I kind of thought was interesting, and this I think is just more – to me, this is misinformation, and uh, uh, we may be closing in on the discovery of alien life. Are we prepared? You know, I, I'm not going to talk about that today. If I run out of things to talk about, we'll visit that one in a minute. Um, this one I think we have to talk about. Evolution tells us we might be the only intelligent life in the universe, and I believe this is from NASA's website. Let me read that again. Coming from NASA, mind you, um, evolution tells us we might be the only intelligent. <laughs> I'm sorry, the only intelligent life in the universe. <laughs> in the universe, um, yeah. You know, I think that might be all I need to say about that article. Uh, you can make up your own mind. Evolution, if you're new here, is a complete made-up. Uh, I don't want to say it's a lie, but you know that, that's what it is. There's no proof of it. If evolution were true, you wouldn't be able to dig a hole of any substantial depth anywhere on Earth and not find overwhelming proof of it, right? The Big Bang, evolution, all these things are all uh, – there's just no proof. And if there's no proof, you can't say it's proven science, right? Um, I want to talk briefly about PG&E, and we're going to have to do that after the break these fires and whatnot and uh, power outages in California. And we will discuss that and tons of other cool stuff after the break. Talk just briefly, if we may, about this. Um, these California, um, I lost the article, but in any event, PG&E uh, releases lists of more places. This is going on. This day, this article is dated October 23rd, um, so this is a few days old. And this article talks about uh, 500,000 to 800,000 people going without power in order to prevent forest fires and. 
I don't know how, if you guys have been watching. This isn't apparently working because they've got a massive fire right now uh, blazing. I think it's north of Frisco. But um, this to me is so interesting because this – I've never heard of this. This is a new thing where uh, – I mean they did blame the, the Paradise Fire I believe on PG&E. But what they don't talk about – and this is what I believe is the crux of the problem. They're, they're, if anyone ever listens to Dutch Sense, I, I really like his philosophy. He's pretty heavily blocked, and it's hard to find his, his current stuff on YouTube because the uh, NOAA and the, uh, the, the United States uh, Geographical – I can't think of the right term right now. The USGS, United States Geographical Society, um, those are basically the folks that keep an eye on earthquakes. They don't like this guy at all because he just keeps – predicting earthquakes and getting it right and he's a landscaper out of somewhere in the midwest and predicting earthquakes far more accurately than they ever do in my humble opinion you can learn a lot more about the nature of things and science just go to uh go up in the mountains study the stars read what you can and just ponder and just look inside look outside and just figure stuff out rather than listening to the uh, powers that be in peer-reviewed papers this is a guy that has followed that model honestly all the greats have followed that model tesla wasn't a phd he dropped out of uh, college because he had a bit of a gambling problem um and look at what he turned into right all of these greats in my opinion not, not nothing against PhDs. I mean, those are brilliant people that do a great thing, you know, all that schooling and stuff. But you also are a big, uh, getting big doses of National Science Foundation. And, and I say this a lot, but I think it's really important to keep it in mind that all the governments of this world, all of the governments of this world have institutionalized corruption and in some cases even evil Um and that's not to say that everybody that works for the government, everybody that's a representative is evil and corrupt. Um, there are a few exceptions. You know, look at, look at Ron Paul. I mean, we've got some great ones. We've got some good ones here in Utah. We've got a lot of terrible ones too. But, um, but for the most part, all of government has institutionalized corruption. So when all the science comes from uh, something that is corrupt, well, you get the point. So on PG&E um, – it's really interesting. There's these hot spots that keep flaring up where we can look, where we look just on like Google Earth and you can see uh, steam poofing out here and there by uh, mostly by volcanic uh, dormant volcanic um, uh, beds where there's like hundreds of these little volcanoes that have been dormant forever across Death Valley, across that area, all over California. All these places where they have these massive geothermal uh, pumping operations where they pump water and honestly raw sewage, which is a little gross really. They pump it deep into the earth where it's incredibly hot and um, create steam, which they turn a generator and create power. And they've popped these holes everywhere along with fracking holes and everything else. And they've perforated the ground. And now they're having all these little hot spots cropping up, um, little little volcanoes popping up. And in my humble opinion, and in a lot of people that I am close with, I think this is a far greater cause of the fires than PG&E. In my opinion, I mean, PG&E is basically just owned by the kingdom anyway. Whether they make a billion less or a billion more, I don't think it makes any freaking difference to PG&E. Um, so it's interesting to me that I keep – are they also maybe getting these people used to the fact that maybe they're not going to have power? I don't know. This is a really interesting story I like to keep an eye on because something just, something just feels wrong about it. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time more on uh, news stories today because I want to talk about some good stuff. 
know, this is an interesting story. Volcano, this is off of Forbes. Uh, I followed this back. We won't talk about the science behind it other than briefly, but the article is Forb, uh, from Forbes. Volcano forms giant bubbles large enough to swallow entire ships. This has actually happened many times, we think, throughout history, and we've now actually seen it and been able to study it, where a volcano on the ocean floor uh, bubbles out and bubbles out and creates these huge pockets of you know, carbon Carbon dioxide, which you know, let's pretend like that's a that's a that's a carbon dioxide is plant food, but also uh, uh, carbon. Uh, I get my 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 chemistry is a little rusty. Uh, carbon. Anyway, the uh, sulfuric gases and and poisonous gases. Anyway, air basically, lots of different gases, and they form these massive bubbles, especially if it's deep in the ocean. And now imagine, if you will, this huge bubble, the size uh, up to 1,500 meters in diameter, right? This is a massive bubble. Now, if you're in a boat floating on top of a water, and all of a sudden you're in the center of a 1,500 meter in diameter bubble, which goes down thousands of meters as well, that's, that's you know, a mile deep, this huge bubble, and all of a sudden, this ship is free falling a mile deep into the ocean, and then the waves crash in over it. Sounds pretty horrific, but that's actually it actually occurs, and it's occurring, uh, according to this article, more often. Pretty interesting. Um, let's see what else we've got here. If there's anything we, um, oh, this one we got to talk about. We should be. This is from uh, who cares? We should be worried. There's three or four articles on this, and, and they all co- they all go back to the net. They'll basically go back to the BBG, right? Who are we kidding? Um, we should be worried. Study confirms fear that intense ocean acid, acidification portends geo- ecological collapse. Um, so uh, the oceans now, according to this article, which cites a bunch of peer-reviewed nonsense, and I'm sorry, I've got to be frank on this one. The oceans cannot be acidic. They never will be acidic. They might move a couple microscopic little points in one direction or the other, acidic or more basic, but they will never drop below 7.0 in acidity, pH, whatever, in pH, because they can't, because of a, a thousand different reasons that we probably can't get into now. But let me, let me just point out a couple facts here. For one, the oceans have never been acidic. They cannot become acidic. Um, the mineral balance therein, the uh, energy there. God designed a world that isn't going to fall apart at a little little hiccup in the road, right? The oceans are not going to become a bunch of acid. This is just such made up. This kind of stuff makes me so mad. Take take like the carbon, right? This global hoax nonsense. I'm looking at a graph. This is the carbon carbon dioxide levels going back, and these are these are this is from I believe this is IPCC data. Um, if not, it's from, you know what, this is NOAA data. Um, carbon dioxide levels, parts per million. And this is going back 400 million years. And right now we are at, oh, we are at somewhere, this is probably 150 parts per million. Back uh, a million years ago, we were 200 times higher. Back in the uh, crustaceous period, we were 3,000 times higher in carbon dioxide. And they get this from from tree rings. When, when plants are fat and happy, guess what they do? They grow. When there's a lot of plant food everywhere, life explodes on Earth. Is that surprising? Um, it doesn't fall apart. It doesn't It doesn't descend into catastrophe. When, uh, when plant food is abundant, 
yeah, plants eat and they grow. And a green earth might be a problem to a to a UN scientist that's looking for power and control, but it's really not a problem. Going all the way back to 500, 400 million years ago, uh, carbon dioxide levels were 5,000 times higher than they are now. And we're going to pretend that we have a problem. Um, anyway, that's probably enough negativity on science. Uh, gosh, I got one more. How much time we got left? 30 seconds. I'm going to cover this really briefly. Um, I'm looking at a map of a supercluster that's 7.3 billion light years away, and we are told we are looking at the early universe. Now, I have a question. If we all came from a big bang, and if I'm looking at a picture of a, of a cluster 7.3 billion light years away, how do we get so far away? You know what I mean? How do we get so far away from an explosion that everything came from uh, that was at ground zero, let's say, and this is 7.3 billion light years away, and the whole universe is only 15 billion years old. Does that make sense? How, how, how hokey is this? Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, some exciting things after the break, and we're done with sci uh, the, the mainstream science, um, and we'll talk to you soon. Welcome back, everyone, after our break. Um, I, I went a little long there. I want to finish that thought. Um, this whole everything came from a big bang. And then after a time, all the gravity cluster rocks, whatever, started forming together and, and forming planets and stars. And then all of that forming a chemical soup from which came everything we see. Um, this is to me is just such another obvious example. When we look at these things that are 8 billion light years away, they claim we're looking at the early universe. It's like, okay, well, if I'm 8 billion light years away, let's pretend like you guys understand completely the nature of light, which they don't. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we're looking at a universe, the universe in its early 8, 8 billion years ago. How did we get 8 billion light years away from it? Does anybody know? Has anybody heard that? I would love to hear if anybody's heard how it is they explain, because I've never been able to find this. This has been one of the many things I see wrong with what we're taught. But anyway, enough of that thought. I want to talk uh, briefly about um, – yeah, let's talk about energy. Um, I think this is important, and I know I talk about the ether a lot, and to me, some people might think that's a little bit strange and a little bit out there, but I was reading the other day, where was it? It was, um, well, pretty much every every week, I spend a lot of time, like I was saying earlier, in, um, in these old science uh, books. People like uh, C.P. Steinmetz, uh, who he was, he was the guy that reverse engineered Tesla's uh, alternating current generator and alternate alternating current motor in the early going these these early motors had commutators they smoked and spit out sparks they were wildly inefficient they blew up all the time tesla figured it out but he patented it and then as time went on tesla because he was he was a good guy and he wasn't so down with the kingdom of corruption morgan and everybody kind of dropped him and now they needed to find a way around his patent 
in Steinmetz, who was a little German, little crippled guy from German who didn't live terribly long. I believe he died in his 50s. He was an absolute electrical genius. Um, and he, because he isn't like an icon and people don't seek out his stuff, you can actually find his original books, his original equations, and his original work. And uh, he is the founder of General Electric's Laboratories, which that might, may make him sound like kind of a scumbag, but um, he's not. He, he, he didn't know what that all was about. He was just a scientist uh, doing scientific work. Um, and he believed in the ether. Uh, the father of, of basically the Columbus of all electricity, who is Michael Faraday. Some of you might recognize that name for which the Faraday cage is, is named. He absolutely spoke. Even Tesla – uh, not Tesla, excuse me, Einstein, uh, often spoke of the ether and recognized that it's absolutely um, the power from which all things are coming. And, and, and Edison, or, sorry, I'm getting all my names mixed up. And Einstein was, was a, a man of faith, and he recognized that this power somehow is coming from God. Um, so to me, uh, I want to talk a little bit maybe – from more of a religious perspective, because to me, it's so interesting when I look at the writings of J.J. Thompson and and all of these, even going back to Volta, who was one of the original pioneers, even back to Giovanni. And this is how long ago this was. Giovanni, he was an he was a medical guy. He was an amputator of limbs, which may sound a little a little gross, but back then they didn't have uh, great ways, great medical procedures. And when you got too infected, you, they'd just lop that limb off and animals as well. But he realized that when they would sit on a metal plate, that they would kind of flop around um, and that different types of metal plates, when you would put them together, would cause he didn't have a voltmeter. He didn't have anything. All he had was observation and basically uh, limbs. Right. This is an amputated, amputated arm or leg or whatever, but he would notice that they would flop around. And especially if a lightning storm was around, if there was a lot of energy in the atmosphere, they would do so even more. And it could even do so when they weren't sitting on a, a metallic surface. Um, from there, Volta took his, his knowledge and made the first batteries by putting electrolytes in between two plates. All of these great men realized that metal Copper, which, which is what we use today, some aluminum, mostly copper. These aren't conductors. These are obstructors. The entire model of electrons flowing in a copper wire is absolutely not proven, and it's taught everywhere today. I've, I've a, it's uh, my kids go to a, a this will be our last year, but they're they're still in a private school, and now they're up to fifth grade. And uh, this is one of these national chain kind of a I won't say their name but most of you probably have heard of it just a a, a pretty widespread uh, private school which is pretty good I mean they're they're pretty solid on teaching of the founding fathers and the American history is pretty well at least up until the last hundred years but the science is the same garbage that's taught in every other school and it's National Science Foundation gobbledygook and um, we're preparing to do the science fair, and this year it's a little more advanced. We're finally not not given a bunch of questions like, uh, what is the effect of, of warmth on melting snow, which to me isn't science, it's just nonsense. But we're actually gonna tackle uh, the, the uh, velocity of a rotor on 
on a generator's uh, ability to produce power and what is the effect of turns. I have two sons, they're both in fifth grade. The other one is, the, what is the effect of turns on a transformer? And I've looked at their science book and my wife is just running away because she's just horrified that I'm going to do this. But I'm, I, we're going to tackle it. They, they teach the, the, the science, scientific method, right? Observation, scientific testing. And we're going to prove that electrons flowing in a... Um, in a copper wire is nonsense. There's never been proof of it. There never will be proof of it because it's nonsense. If you look at it, and some people, th when you say that, they're like, well, you're just crazy because everybody knows, like, if you don't believe that's true, stick a paper clip in an electrical outlet. Well, okay, yeah. You know, you stick a paper clip in an outlet, you're going to feel something for sure. Is that flowing electrons? Could that be a really angry leprechaun projecting negativity to you? You know, as ridiculous as that sounds. If you get enough PhD, really smart people to say that, and if you were taught that all your life, pretty soon you would think that a, a leprechaun was projecting anger through that outlet on the wall, right? Which is equally as false, every bit as false as uh, electrons flowing in a copper wire. Um, so anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the nature of what what uh, Tesla called the ether. I like to call it, I like to call it the light of Christ um, when I'm talking. In a religious context, uh, you could call it the divine matrix. You can call it all sorts of things. There is no question that all of the uh, great uh, scientific minds and all of the people that made the foundation upon which sits our entire industrial world, all of these great men, Tesla, all of them knew that the ether was a thing, and they actually experimented with it. Now, I, I like to compare that to what I hear people. This this is from a book written by a guy named Bruce R. McConkie. Some of you might recognize his name. He's a, he's a, was a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of which I'm a member. But he was also a real deep thinker and a real intelligent man. And this was his observation. Um, there is a spirit, a power of light, a power of truth, a power of life, uh, which defies description and is beyond mortal comprehension. That is almost a direct quote out of J.J. Thompson's book. Uh, it is in us and in all things. It fills the earth and all the universe, governing all things, all, law, all laws, all power of life, and governs all things. Um, I could find that exact same quote in uh, the writings of Michael Faraday, even Maxwell, uh, J.J. Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, Nikola Tesla. So what is this all-pervasive light and power? Um, this is the medium through which creation happens. This is, if you've ever heard of quantum entanglement, how plants, um, plants that have been in the same space together, and especially plants that have been watered out of the same water, and water is another amazing thing that interacts with ether, um, you can, they can measure uh, uh, electromagnetically the emotions actually that come from plants, all living things, even, even microbes, but let's just stick with plants. And say uh, someone comes in the room and they say, oh, what a pretty plant, what a good plant, I love you, I love this plant, and pet it and be nice to it, give it some water, right? give, give the plant some love. The plant is happy and you can measure the, the frequency of that emotion. Next guy comes in, screams F-bombs at the flat plant, kicks its pot, tells it it's a stupid plant. Guess what? That plant is freaked out, and its, it's, it's frequency shows that. Now separate them. Separate them by a 1,000 miles. Come into that same room and kick one of the plants and tell it all that same stuff, and guess what? That plant a 1,000 miles away, faster than the speed of light, instantaneously 
feels the same things and emits the same frequency. How could that be? That disproves the theory of relativity. Um, that disproves that that is quantum entanglement. That is proof of the ether. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the ether when we get back and lightly touch on Greta and um, a little biblical stuff uh, after the break. We will talk to you soon. Welcome back after that lovely break. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the ether and wrap that up and talk a little bit about um, signs of the times. Actually, you know, let, let's just jump right into that because if I start talking about ether, I wanted to talk about Tesla's theory of gravity, which, by the way, there's a lot of people, and I am one of them, that believe that what he, Tesla called his theory of gravity which he said would absolutely change the world. And this was a guy that already had changed the world. And he, when he said this, it was in the early 40s. He was sitting in a city that was lit up by the electricity that he made possible to transmit, a world that was already basically wholly his, his creation, right, almost, with it, all the amazing radio waves, all energetic propagation. He said that's nothing compared to his theory of gravity, which we don't have today. It's, again, in a CIA vault and a matter of national security. But this is probably the power. Uh, this is probably calling upon his his writings, why they were able to create the, the super creepy, fast, uh, dark ops flying saucers that we see everywhere today and we think are little green men, which is really just just the deep state. Cabal, call them what you want, the kingdom of corruption. Yeah. Um, but let's. I want to talk a little bit about um, signs of the times. I, I was uh, doing a little reading the other day, and, and to me it's kind of an irony. Uh, God basically created two nations in the past three, 4,000 years or so um, that we could say he founded. If you've studied the Revolutionary War and the miracle that uh, George Washington and his men were able to, to pull off in defeating the British back then, there is no way that God didn't intervene to make that happen, right? The writing of the Constitution. This is the Loving Liberty Network, and I don't think, I'm pretty sure most people listening understand what a miracle that was, and that was done by the hand of God, by the hand of nature's God. Call him Jesus, call him Allah, whatever you happen to call your loving Father in heaven. By his hand, America was created, and liberty uh, went forth, uh, which has been crushed by by the evil kingdom, and we need to fix all that. But that's another topic. There was another nation um, thousands of years in the past, the nation of Israel, uh, to which God's law went forth, another nation created by God. And they, um, not totally unlike us, uh, sunk and decayed and eventually uh, fell to Babylon anciently. Uh, and the interesting thing is when you look at the, the dates of Hebrew, the Hebrew calendar, uh, the things we see happening, the Revelation 12 sign. We talked about the sign of Jonah, I think it was last week or week before. Go back and check that out. That's super interesting stuff. Uh, the 9th of Tammuz, that is a day of great mourning. I believe it's June 26th on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, that On that day, uh, the, the protective walls that kept uh, Jerusalem safe from Babylon fell. They fell and Israel was wiped out. Um, 
there's a lot of things that have happened on that 9th of Tammuz, uh, different wars. But I want to talk about one specific thing um, that I just heard this the other day, and I thought it was so interesting. On that day, not long ago, a different wall was breached. The wall protect, protecting the sanctity of holy matrimony was brought down by the same uh, ruling bunch of uh, people in black dresses that made murdering the unborn legal. This was the day that uh, gay marriage went out as the new law of the land in America, a country that was founded by God. Uh, the president then uh, lit the White House up in rainbows, colors of the rainbow. And, and the rainbow doesn't belong to man. The rainbow belongs to God. That is another thing that's been absconded. And I'm not, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm against gays in any way. I love I love my gay brothers and sisters. I have a, a same-sex couple that lives right next door to me for 10 years. Great people. Um, they love their kids. Uh, I think they've adopted. I'm not real sure how that whole thing happened. But great people. You know, we all have the things that we, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it what it is, a weakness. It, it's not... It's against nature's God, in my opinion, and, and it just is. Um, I have my weaknesses, um, many of which are probably far worse than anybody else's weaknesses. I'm a lifelong drug addict, and I will struggle with that all my life. I was at one time I ate, ate more pain pills probably than Rush Limbaugh. Uh, haven't had any pain pills for like ten years, and I avoid the doctor like the plague because I just don't ever want to touch that again. But now I drink 15 energy shots a day some days, right? I'm anything that, that that's just my weakness, along with probably stupidity and pride and lots of other things. But we all have these weaknesses. But I can't surrender to my drug addiction. I can't say it's right or it's good or it's just the way I am. Um, any better than we can say that marriage between two men is equal to marriage between two women. Um, on that day, the 9th of uh, Tamos, uh, America declared that matrimony between men, women, uh, all that would be the new law of the land. Um, now, that may, that may sound like a little off on a science show, but to me, science and religion are all tied together. When we talk about the ether, this power is the same power that brought down, I am absolutely convinced of this, uh, the walls of Jericho came down by the... Uh, uh, power of faith by the Israelites at that time and possibly use of some technology with those um, the horns that they blew. It's very, very interesting if you've looked into resonance, resonant frequencies and the nature of matter. The nature of matter comes through uh, the ether. The ether, this all pervasive, Tesla called it a gas. We don't, I don't believe it's a state of matter that we're going to properly define and, and I don't pretend to understand it other than acknowledge that it's there and it is the power through which God operates, the power through which creation happens and a power that we can tap into because guess what? We are not sons and daughters of monkeys or rats or worms or amoeba. We are sons and daughters of God. Isn't that neat? And as sons and daughters of God, we have his full authority and blessing to tap into this power as much as we choose. How can we do that? Well, maybe we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, a couple other things that are pretty obvious uh, out of our uh, ancient records. Moses is parting of the Red Sea. How did that happen? How do you command water to go to and fro and part? Well, that power comes through the ether. That isn't just magic. That isn't just some great magic trick. Uh, when Elijah called down fire from heaven, 
in his little competition with the priests of Baal. That wasn't just a nifty little magic trick. That is control of the ether. And that is not uh, something that is exclusive to Moses or uh, Joshua or Elijah, but that is a power that is every bit as available to you and I today. And when we look at the world around us, when we look at what's coming, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically of uh, Earth's crustal shift, um, you may believe or disbelieve that there are tribulations happening, the economic collapse is could be not could be well becoming um, all these other things that are biblically predicted um, to occur occur pretty soon. We can check things off on our list, and that list is getting shorter and shorter all the time. You look at what's happening in the Mid East and the progression of kings. Just so many signs in the earth beneath and in the heavens above that we can see coming. Even if you just focus in on Earth's crustal shift, just if I'm a complete atheist and I just look at that and the debt and what's going to happen with our fiat currency, I can see there's there's some there's some hard times coming. Um, uh, so what do we do about that? Well, this power of the ether, um, let me give you one other example. How much time we got left, Brian? Okay, uh, one, one little example of the ether. Um, we can measure the power coming out of our brain, the uh, electromagnetic, if you will, propagation, the wave, the frequency, that anytime energy moves, there is a frequency, an energetic propagation, an electromagnetic. Anytime current moves, there is an energy field and a magnetic field around that. We have an energy field around our bodies. All living things have this toroidal shaped energy field around us, that's just a fact. Um, and right before 9-11, the global consciousness of all the peoples on earth spiked. And this was minutes before the first plane hit the first tower. How could that be? How could it happen at the same time? Um, this is the same power by which birds bail long before a volcano explodes while, while uh, the USGS is taking tests on the side of that mountain. Uh, this power is everywhere and whether we believe it or not and whether we know exactly what it is or not we can tap into it because this is the power through which god can hear everybody's prayer at the same time i'm utterly convinced of that and i think it is so important that we teach our kids this um and we can start with teaching you know when we spin a magnet in a coil uh this same power can be uh harvested or Electricity is just polarized ether. It's like a lower telestial form of this power that we have learned to harness for our good. And we can harness this in higher and higher ways. And the key to this is faith. Uh, faith is so important. When we become contentious, when we become angry, uh, this is a bigger thief of our focus and energy and our faith. This is a contention and anger, I think, is an even bigger fear of these things or a bigger uh, thief of these things than faith. So be faithful, be fearless, uh, go throughout uh, the next coming week. Don't forget to say your prayers. Don't forget to teach your kids about true science. And we will talk to you next week. We'll see you soon.